Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. My Bible, I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, 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 I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. For your word, I pray, Father, this morning that you would use me, Lord, as your instrument. Let me be invisible and let you uh, be in the forefront of everything that is said and done here today, Father. We thank you for the country in which you've placed us, Father, but we do understand that even from here you send us to other places, Lord, to preach your gospel. Let us continue to do our mission of preaching your gospel and reconciling those to to you, Lord, as, as you have called us to do, Father. We praise you. We glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. <clears throat> so I called it Rebuilding the House, Independence from Sin. Rebuilding the House. Let's read that scripture that we just saw up there. Uh, I'm going to read it more in context. You know me, I like to read things in context. And some of you are like, why do you read so much scripture? Well, sometimes when you pull a scripture out and you read it, it means one thing. But when you put it back into where the writer meant for it to be, then you really understand what he meant. So Second Chronicles Chapter 7, verses 11 through 16, very familiar scripture during uh, these, times, these types of celebrations. So it says in verse 11, Thus Solomon finished the house, Beth, Bethel, finished the house of the Lord and the king's house. And Solomon successfully accomplished all that came into his heart to make in the house of the Lord and in his own house. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have read your prayer. No, I'm not sure how he sounded, but I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there's no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people. Listen, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, everybody say then, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be, on, will be open on, and my ears attentive to the prayer made in this place. Where? In the house. He spoke of the house earlier, right? Made in this place, the house of God. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house. I have chosen and sanctified New Life Bible Church. That my name may be there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. See, Solomon was building a temple or a house for God. And building a house for the king and himself. Not just for God. You know, we notice when these powerful moments happen, especially here and with Gideon, you know, Solomon built a house for the Lord, and he loved that house. And then David built a house for the Lord. What was it? It was a tent. But he loved that place too. Why? Because it was 24 hours of 
uh, praise and worship was going on while the presence of God, the, the Ark of the Covenant, was in this tent. But then God chose a house. He had all these houses to choose from. And guess what house he chose? He chose to live in me. I'm his favorite house. Isn't that awesome? That's a good me too moment. We are his favorite house. He chose to imagine what Solomon built out of gold and silver and, and all the things that they had back then. And imagine what it was. Everything that was on his heart was, was put into, into reality in this house, in this Bethel, in this house of God. But then God says, no, no, no. I want to live in my people. I want to live in my sons and daughters. And God commits to protect and heal the land if, everybody say if, they humble themselves, they pray, and they repent. See, repentance and forgiveness of sin is how the land gets healed. You know, we want laws, and laws are good, right? That way, there's a scripture that says, and they did whatever they wanted in their own eyes. Because they determined what morality was. They determined what was good. They determined what was bad. You know, the determination of good and bad was the first sin. They ate the apple, and it says what? They got the knowledge of good and evil. So we continue to think, oh, this is good. But if you let man choose what's good and evil, we're going to get it wrong. We're going to get it wrong. God only chooses what's good and evil. Right? So repentance and forgiveness is how he heals the land. And the land has its laws, as I was saying. His land has its laws, and we follow those laws. And they're good. Some of them are good. Some of them are not so good. You know, but thank God that we have some of these laws to live by. And thank God that so most of the laws, there probably is a few there that go against what we believe. And, but today, I could stand here today and preach Jesus as king of this land and not go to jail for it. Right? I can proclaim that we are independent from the world, that we are dependent on God and not go to jail for it. Right? I could proclaim the gospel in every way that I could. I could encourage you. Right to to even it, it, I wouldn't do this, but I would encourage you to rebel against our government, which we wouldn't do right not right now. Our government is allowing me to do this, yeah. right? In 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 Cuba, they have churches, home churches, where they meet inside of a house, and every time they have these, they have to ask for permission. And the government lets them meet, but they they send guards out with rifles and they stand in the church and they make sure that they're not encouraging the people to rebel against the president or the government there in any way that is causing them to stand up and believe for themselves. They don't want that. They don't want the people rebelling against them. So they're very careful as to what they allow you to do. In China, there's underground churches and they have to hide and they have to, you know, do their thing in, in hiding. They have their little crosses outside and they say, look, we allow churches, but the reality of it is, is that they don't. <laughs> right? The reality of it is that Christianity is not really accepted there. But here we live in this place and we want our land to be healed. We need to repent. What does that mean? Repent's not a bad word. I'm going to cover that in just a minute. It's not a four-letter word. Right? It's not a bad word. It doesn't mean root canal. It's not painful. Okay? But we'll cover that in a minute. So God's eyes will be open and ears attentive to the prayers made in this place. Not that he doesn't hear your prayers outside of the church, but if you're part of the church, then he hears your prayers wherever you're at because you're still part of the church. The church is not these four walls. We are the church. Why? Because he chose. He didn't choose to live inside these four walls. He chose to live inside of me. We are Bethel, the house of God. Isn't that awesome? I almost feel uncomfortable saying that. <clears throat> so God has chosen to sanctify 
this house. So let's cover humble. I like this. Uh, uh, I've, done, I've done a teaching on this, but uh, uh, the word humble is the word kana. It means to be humbled, to be subdued, to bend the knee. In, in the New Testament, it, it's kana, humble to bend the knee. In the Old Testament, is the word barak, like our, our you know, president of years past. It means to be blessed, barak, or to bend the knee. Right? Humble, to be humble, to subdue, to bend the knee, to bring down or to bring low. See, it says humble yourself. This means that this is up to you. I would rather humble myself than to have God humble me. Because when you get humbled, then we, we, the word becomes humiliated, <laughs> which has the word humble in it. When somebody else humbles you, what happens? You become a little humiliated right because but if you humble yourself it kind of looks like a good characteristic doesn't it to, to be able to humble yourself this means that it's up to you and it will require something of you that's why before when we were reading i was like you know the lord if my people who are called by my then i will do this or if they do this then i will do right if then that requires something of us and we don't want we don't like that sometimes you know we we just want to pray and god to do stuff for us and i don't want to change i don't want to repent i don't want no i don't no, sometimes it requires, you want to be blessed financially? This is not my word. This is the word of God. You, what do you do? You give. I know it makes no sense. I have need. How am I going to give? I don't know. It makes no sense, but it works. Because God said so. Right? When he says it, he'll do exactly what he said he would do. So <clears throat> in James, chapter, or let me read this uh, uh, quote by C.S. Lewis. It says, being humble is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Let me say that again. Being humble is not thinking less of yourself because we want to humble ourselves. Oh, you know, I'm going to wear old clothes and I'm going to be poor because that's humble. That's not humble. Humble is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. <clears throat> so if you're humble, then you're always thinking about somebody else. Do you know what other word uh, 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 is very similar in its definition in uh, Hebrew is the word or Greek is the word agape, love. It means your good at my expense. That's how God loved us, that it was our good at his expense. He gave his son Jesus to die for us, and that was his, our good at his expense, and he expects us to be the same. So humble yourself. In James chapter 4, verse 6, it says, But he gave more grace, therefore he says, <clears throat> But he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace, I know I need grace, to the humble. James 4.10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. I've actually experienced that myself. See, pride uses words like my and I. I, 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 my, 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 mine, mine, mine. It's my way, my will, my plan, my concept of God and his word. My, 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 are you in trouble? Because if it's all about you, then you, listen, it's okay. You can say my will, my way, my, it's, it's all right to do that. But if, if you're going to do that and, and, and receive God's blessing, then you better uh, create the heavens and the earth. Fill the earth with people that are just like you, right? Created in your image and, and, and create everything that ever existed. And, 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 then, and then give your, your only begotten son away. Right to die a horrible death for the salvation of those people that you created that have turned their back on. Once you've done all these things, then you can say, my, 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 my. But until then, it's him, 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 right? 
Not him, H-Y-M. <laughs> Humble uses words like his with a capital H. His way, his will, his plan. See, it's his way every time. It's his will every time. It's his plan every time. See, you, you become independent from your past, your sins, and your pride only to, to become dependent on God. So you can't be delivered from something and not be delivered into something because then you're in limbo, right? You might be delivered from drug addiction, but if you stay there long enough, you'll go back unless you're delivered into something. What happens with, uh, 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 you know, the Israelites when they were delivered from Egypt? They were delivered from Egypt, and then they weren't ready. I mean, they were at the promised land. They were there, and they weren't ready to go in an entire uh, uh Generation had to die for them to even go over because their mindset wasn't ready. They were still slaves up here. See, they were still slaves to Egypt rather than being slaves to God or to righteousness. What is he saying? I'm just quoting scripture. Matthew 11, 28 through 30, it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Isn't that good? You could just read it right there and stop, right? But no, it says in 29, take my yoke. You guys know what a yoke is? You put it on oxen, and that's how you control them, uh, you know, with, uh, with the reins. <laughs> take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That word soul, uh, the root word is psyche, right? All your mind, your, your emotions, everything. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light take my yoke he says take my yoke means jesus has the reins of your life and he will make sure to lead you to a place of rest because he is gentle and humble in heart himself so what do you do you yoke yourself with jesus and what happens if he goes that way can you go if he goes right can you go left you can't the yoke won't let you but he says i'm not going to in yoke, is that a word? I'm not going to put the yoke on you. you got to put the yoke on yourself. It's your will. It's up to you to either be my way or be his way. Take my yoke means that Jesus has the reins in your life. You should check your heart for that. The word repent in this same scripture says repent. <laughs> I remember... Watching some of these black and white videos uh, of some preachers, I won't say who they are, but uh, you know, back in the day when hell and brimstone was being preached, and they would they would point their finger, their finger was like this long, and say, "You're going to hell if you don't repent." <laughs> Although that may be the outcome, that may be true, but repentance is not just not going to hell. <laughs> it's a change of mind. It's a change of act. Acting, it's a change of the way you feel. It's a change, it's a complete turnaround, is what it actually means. Repent is not a four-letter word, as I said earlier. <laughs> Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness, saying, uh, in the wilderness of Judah, and saying, Repent, 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 for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. See, John the Baptist was fulfilling the prophecy that he would prepare the way of the Lord and preaching repentance. But he's just a man. 
He was preaching repentance, and he was being judgmental towards people. No, he was preaching the same thing that Jesus preached immediately after he, John uh, the Baptist was placed in jail. In chapter four, uh, Matthew 4, 17, from that time after John was placed in jail, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Turn around. Change your ways. In these scriptures, the word for repent is mataneo. It means to change one's mind, to change one's mind for better. Biblical repentance in, in, involves turning from your sin and turning to God. It's a condition of the heart. See, like I said earlier, we could put laws in the place that make you, you follow them because you don't want the consequence of that law. You don't want to go to jail. You don't want to have to pay a ticket. You don't want to. So there's laws in place to do that. And that's great. But see, what this nation needs is not stricter laws. What this nation needs is a change of heart. It doesn't say in, 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 you know, in our uh, reference scripture, it doesn't say, oh, if we had better laws, then the nation would be better. I will heal your nation if you follow the laws of this nation. No, it says repent. It doesn't even talk about the nation that you live in. I will hear your land. That doesn't matter where you live because God's not an American. So he's not talking to just the Americans in America. He's talking to the world. You could be somewhere where re religion or Christianity is completely uh, outlawed, and it still means the same thing. You need to repent. Humble yourself. Seek his face. Seek righteousness. Biblical repentance involves turning. It's a turning. That doesn't sound so bad. Maybe we should just say, turn. I burn. No, turn. Some, some, of you some of you thought that, didn't you? When I said turn and I paused, some of you were like, is he going to say or burn, right? <laughs> okay, I'll say. So <laughs> there was a, a, a front page of the Tulsa Tribune or something it was called back then. It was just back in 2000 or 2001. And they, they had this picture of this uh, 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 sign out in front of a church, and it said, turn or burn. And then the picture moved to a different picture, and the, in front, behind the same sign was the church on fire. Somehow it, it caught on fire, and it was, so people took pictures and made fun and all that. And I was like, you kind of asked for it when you put turn or burn on in front of your, you know? I don't know, but that doesn't attract me. You know what attracted me to, to the gospel was that he loved me. I knew I was a sinner. I didn't need anybody to remind me of that. I knew I was going to hell. Most of my songs that I listened to back then said I was. Okay. I don't know why I still remember some of those things. I wish I could delete them. <clears throat> Romans 6, 17 and 18. Look at this. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of of doctrine to which you were delivered and having been set free from sin you became slaves of righteousness another word for that is servants of righteousness you do what your master tells you because you're serving him that word slave kind of has a bad connotation right so use the word servant it means the same thing that you're serving a master 
And that master is not whipping you and making you do things you don't want to do. That master loves you. And that's why I serve my master, because he loved me first. Right? And he paid an ultimate price for me. So I am a slave of righteousness. I am a slave. Why? Because I don't want to be a slave of my sin. How many of you would rather serve your sin? I don't want to serve my sin. I want to serve righteousness, right standing with God. I want to serve God. He's the one that helped me, that would allow me to repent. You know, repentance is not even something that just happens. You have to be allowed to by the one who forgives. And only one forgives of your sin, right? And that's God himself. Celebrate your independence from sin. Thank God that I'm I'm independent from my sin, but I'm dependent on God's forgiveness. Acts 3.19 says, Repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing, I love this, may come from the presence of the Lord. Repent therefore and be converted. Repent. Therefore, right? It sounds, but as you continue reading through the scripture, it just, it's just like a, it almost goes from being a hammer to a feather, right? It's like repent and then be converted and your sins will be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come. Times of refreshing may come in the presence of the Lord. One of the greatest examples of this was when Zacchaeus fell out of the tree. I like to say he fell out of the tree. How many of you know that story? I'm going to read it to you in just a minute, but we're going to learn the story of Zacchaeus from a a different, uh, it doesn't even use the word repent here, but you totally see what happens. You totally see the turning and the changing of his mind if you read carefully. In Luke 19, verses 1 through 10, it says, Then Jesus entered, passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. A wee little man was he. It was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. And he was rich. That says a lot about who he was. He didn't have to add all that. He could have just said tax collector. But they were trying to, to build character. You ever seen in a, in a movie when you have a couple of people that begin in the first 10, 15 minutes of the movie, they're trying to build the character of each person. They show you little glimpses of their life. One's a husband, one's a father, one's you know, in the military. And they show little pieces and then the movie continues because they want to build the character of that person in the movie. So that's what he's kind of doing. He says, there, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. So in those times, they collected taxes for the Romans, and they tele- collected uh, uh, enough that you know, they would be able to give to the Romans. And then they were allowed to collect a little more. And that's how they got paid. That's how. So here he is. He's, a, he's Zacchaeus. He's collecting taxes. And on top of that, he's collecting enough taxes to be rich he must be pretty good at this right sounds like union to me man you know would you like i should make him dead (laughs) Uh, so zacchaeus the godfather the tax collector and he was rich and he sought to see who jesus was but could not because of the crowd for he was short in stature remember we little man So he ran ahead, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. Now, when the Bible uses names like this, it didn't say just a tree. It said a sycamore tree with purpose. To see him, for he was going to pass that way. Now, okay, let's go back a little bit. And I'm going to, would you allow me to think just outside the scripture here for just a moment? Let's paint a little bit of a picture. Here's this man. Right? He was a short man, but he collected a lot of taxes. So if this little man showed up at your door and says, give me your taxes and I want some extra, and you look down and say, really? 
Right? Stand up, Spencer. So here comes Zacchaeus, and he's going to come collect taxes from Spencer. Right? He could probably grab him with one hand and say, you right? Thank you. Spencer saved my life a couple times. So, <laughs> right? So he's this little man. So he had some power. He, maybe he had an entourage. Maybe he had some people with him, right? In, in, in jogging suits with gold chains on the outside. <laughs> Why do they wear jogging suits? They don't jog. They stand out. I shouldn't make fun. I'm on there. They're going to be outside waiting for me. You're talking to me? <laughs> You're talking about me? <laughs> so here he is. The crowds are gathering, right? And he runs ahead and he climbs a sycamore tree. You know, a sycamore tree has leaves the size of your hand, right? So he's climbing the sycamore tree in the middle of the road. And they're still there. And, and, and not the ones from this, but there's still sycamore trees on this road. You could look up pictures and stuff, and I think Nick's been there. There's, yeah, the one is there. They say the tree is actually there, but okay. So here he is, and he, he's running in front, and he's climbing to see Jesus. Now, this guy had some power, don't you think? If he could make someone like Spencer give him money that he didn't deserve, then he must have had some power. Couldn't he have said, hey, get out of the way. I want to meet this guy. Yo. <laughs> Get out of the way. I want to meet him. I want to see him. But he didn't. He climbed the sycamore tree with the big old leaves, almost as if he was trying to hide. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and saw him. Well, let me go back to four. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, which is different than meet him. For he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus. Now, nowhere in Scripture does it say that Jesus had ever met this man before, that he knew his name or even knew who he was. This was probably, his, according to Scripture, his first interaction with this man, and he knew him by name. Make haste and come down. I like to say, Zacchaeus, fall down out of that tree. And he hit the ground. For today I must stay at your house. So he made haste. He fell out of the tree and received him joyfully. Now listen to this. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. This guy takes our money and he gives it to the Romans. Unlawfully at that sometimes. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord. Here's where you know he repented. Lord, look, Lord. Look, look, Linda. Look, Lord. I give half of my goods to the poor. No, he didn't. Not before this moment he didn't. I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I take anything from anyone in false accusation, I restore fourfold. He owes a lot of people a lot of money. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. What happened to Zacchaeus? He repented when he came face to face with Jesus. And that's why Jesus said salvation has... Jesus is going to come to his house either way. But when he began to confess these things that he wasn't, he never... He took things unlawfully. That's what he did for a living. 
Yet he said, I will give it back fourfold. And if I've done anything, I will make it right. Something happened to that man. There was repentance. There was a change of mind. I'm no longer going to be a taker. I'm going to be a giver. That's a big change. That's from darkness to light. I'm not just going to take. I'm going to give. He would have never said those things unless he had repented. Or those were fruits of his repentance. I'm going to quote a pastor, uh, Shane Eidelman, from Westside Christian Fellowship in California. And he said this. Some suggest that repentance is self-improvement or a call to fulfill our natural potential. When we repent, we do improve. And our God-given potential becomes more apparent. But repentance is not about self-improvement. It's about renouncing sin and turning from it. Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change in action, brokenness, genuine sorrow over sin, and humility are marks of sincere repentance. Lasting hope and joy are also byproducts of a right relationship with God, beginning with repentance. This is nothing to fear but to cherish. This is always a link between genuine faith and sincere repentance. The truth about repentance will set you free. Yeah. i got to be very careful here because I don't want to take away from anything that you guys have changed in your life or things that have made you a new person because of your salvation or because the Holy Spirit has come live inside of you. I'm not taking anything away from that experience that you had the day that you gave your life to Jesus. But we... Look at repentance as, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry I did this, and now I'm, I'm, I'm going to repent, and then he's going to make it right, and then I may do this again. No, repentance means you have changed your mind completely. Repentance means that you're not just sorrowful about what you did, but you don't want to do it anymore. It's a complete change of heart. And we think that it's some outwardly action of fighting off this, this sin. Temptation is going to be there you can't, you can't get away from it. It's going to be there as long as we live in this flesh. You're going to have temptation, period. Sorry, it's not going away. You can't pray for it to go away. It's just going to be there. Jesus himself was tempted in every way. All right? And he could have said, hey, I don't want to be tempted anymore. But he didn't because he wanted to show that he could be tempted in every way and still have pure blood to shed for our sins. All right? So he was tempted in every way. We are going to be tempted. But you know, repentance strengthens you to the place of that temptation will no longer have you and there are things you know that you have to deal with in life and sins that that come around every once in a while unforgiveness is a big one you think oh i forgave them and time goes by and then you hear a song or smell something or see them again or or something happens and they're doing really well in life or something goes good for them and what happens you have to forgive them again right? you have to let it go again and again and again but your repentance should, should be something that you cherish. Thank you, Lord, that I have a back door. Right? Thank you, Lord, that you gave me an out from death. Because that's what sin leads you to. Seeds leads on to death, which means separation from God. There's two words for death, the, the physical death and the spiritual death. Give me the physical death any day over that, over spiritual death. Because spiritual is eternity. Physical is just a moment in time. I want to be able to repent before God 
and leave that behind me. How do I do that? By turning around. That's what it says. You leave it behind you. You don't look at it anymore. You don't, right? If, if you go somewhere and it caused the temptation to lead you to, to this sin, don't go there. Repent and don't go there anymore. If you have a problem with drinking, don't drink. Oh, the Bible doesn't teach that you're not supposed to drink. No, it's just not to be a drunkard. But if you were a drunkard before, why would you drink now? Just one glass, two glasses. I'm just a, a social drinker. Yeah. You drink and society doesn't like you. <laughs> right? Social drinker. And there's nothing wrong with it. I can't preach from the Bible that says don't drink. It doesn't, it doesn't teach that. I know. Here he goes. Right? It doesn't. But if you have a problem, why would you drink? If you go to a place, you know, if, if you have the, what I call amongst the men the lazy eye. If you have the lazy eye that, you, you know, you have trouble controlling, you know, the first glance is, is kind of, all right, it's the second look that always gets you. Right? It's called the lazy eye. <laughs> right? Then don't go somewhere where your lazy eye is going to want to be lazy. <laughs> Avoid certain TV shows. Stay away from that stuff. So repentance means a turn. It doesn't just mean he forgave me. Oh, I can go do it again so he can forgive. It says, if grace was sufficient, does that mean that you could keep sinning? No, that's not what that means. It's sufficient for your sin, but it doesn't mean that it gives you a license to sin. Now, what leads us to repentance? Since, oh, yes, somebody knows their word. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Or do you despise... Was it already up here? Okay. <laughs> or do you despise the riches of his goodness, the forbearance, the long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? The goodness of God leads you to repentance. I'm going to say that again. The goodness of God, not the wrath... Not the judgment, but the goodness of God leads you to repentance. You know how pe I know when people get saved, how I know they're going to be good in the kingdom and they're going to serve and all that. Because they get saved because they know how much God loved them. But then when you got people that come into the kingdom and they say, I'm coming, I don't want to go to hell. Those kind of just fill the quota. They come and they sit and they, you know, they listen and they try their best not to do anything wrong. And they repent every time they do the same sin over and over again because they don't want to go to that lake of fire. and They don't want to go to hell. I, I'm, I'm gonna, no, I'm who I am. Not because I have to, because I get to and I want to. I want to be a child of God. All my blessings and everything that's in my life is because of him. That's why I repent. I want to be in good standing with God. Because when you are, the if and the then comes into place. If you do these things, I will heal your land. If you do these things, then I will bless you. I want the ifs and the then. That requires something of me, doesn't it? I think I'm almost done here. John 3.16. Everybody knows this scripture, right? Come on. It's the first one everybody memorizes. Not me. Mine was Philippians chapter 4. <laughs> but then I realized I saw the three, uh, John 3.16 and the football games, and I had to figure out what it was. John 3.16 through 18. For God, now look at 16. Everybody knows this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Right? We know that one. It's good. 
Look at 17. For God did not send his son into the world, not America or U.S., but the world, to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 18. He who believes in him is not condemned. I believe, so I'm not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Holy of the only begotten Son of God. See, Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn you. Don't let anybody else do it to you either. They're not God. If God, who is holy and pure, did not send Jesus to condemn you, then no one else can. You'll never, I'll never preach from this pulpit here condemnation upon you. I can't. It's not there. It says that he didn't come to condemn you. So why do we condemn ourselves? That's what happens in repentance. We're so sorrowful. And then, you know, you know how I know people get saved. I've said this before. They get saved and they're on fire for the Lord and they're good. They're good for a week, maybe two weeks. Maybe I didn't last very long. I started doing a few, you know, I slipped and fell a couple times at the beginning. And I cried for like three days. But they come and they, 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 they change the way they dress. They have this huge Bible. Right? They yell hallelujah the loudest. They jump the highest. They sit on the front rows. They want to know about God. And they're just, ooh-hoo. And then they, they, they slip and fall. And they, and they realize that, man. And then, you're right, they begin to condemn themselves. God's not condemning them. And then they move to the second row. No, no problem with those of you in the second row. I'm just, I'm just using this as a, not here, in other churches. In other churches, this, over there, no. You only have one place to sit is your couch, right, where you're sitting right now. And then they move, and then they move, and then they move, and then they're out the door. And they think that they've done something wrong and that they don't deserve to be part of the church when God never intended that to be the truth. Never. So if you slip and fall, it's not okay to slip and fall, but you can get back up. And you can repent and not fall into that same hole again. And, and not feel condemned because God will forgive you if you repent. There's not one of us that have never sinned. Not one of us. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The word says it. We all have. And I don't have a mouse in my pocket, so I'm talking about you. You guys didn't get that. When I say we, all right. Whew, that one just... <laughs> Romans 8, 1 through 4. Last scripture. There's therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So you can walk according to the Spirit and still trip up a little bit, can't you? For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Thank you, Lord, for I am free. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. He condemned what? Sin in the flesh. Not you. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, 
but according to the Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you placed a spirit inside of us that woos us. And, you know, <laughs> when I was a sinner, I was one of the best. Talk about heathens. You know, I heard a, a, a pastor's wife the other day, they were introducing themselves, and he says, oh, I was raised Southern Baptist, and she says, I was raised heathen. I was like, oh, I went to that church. I told her, I, she laughed, she goes, nobody's ever said that. So I went to that church. I was raised heathen too. Right? Uh, 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 <laughs> thank you for saving a wretch like me. Wretch is like a step up for me back from where I was. <laughs> right? Wretch would have been good from where I was standing. I was not a good person. <laughs> Yet he didn't condemn me. He loved me and accepted me just like I was. That just blows me away. That to me is like, Lord, you didn't condemn me, but you accepted me just like I was. And man, let me tell you, I would show up at church, and sometimes I didn't smell very good. Well, it depends who you're with. <laughs> to the people at church, I didn't smell very good, right? And I still did things and showed up. I, I struggled with cigarettes for six months after I got saved. By the way, this is June 21st, 1987, okay, 33 years ago. So, you know, I struggled with that, and, and I finally got delivered from that. And little by little, you know, I just... Little things just kept falling apart. And, and 33 years later, I see the old Rick kind of rise up every once in a while. Now, I don't, I don't smoke. I don't drink. You know, what, what do you do? I don't drink, don't smoke. Right? I don't do any of those things, but I still struggle with some things. Yeah. If everyone learned how to drive, I wouldn't be so angry. <laughs> right? It'd be easy. I, I, wouldn't, I, I probably would never sin again. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I'd be angry at the cab driver for going the wrong way and charging me too much. <laughs> I have to, that's the other thing. I can't, I, when I'm, I'm in the car, it's very, I have to be behind the driver's seat. Okay, Lord, help me, Father. But listen, don't condemn yourselves. God's not condemning you. Repent. Humble yourself. Repent and pray and ask God to heal the land. And where does the land start? In your land, in your house, in your yard, in your neighbor's house, in your community, in our city, in our state, in our nation, in our world. But where does it start? You may not be able to change you know, uh, Pakistan, but you can change Orange City or you can change your, your neighborhood. You can repent and not feel condemned and bring that same gospel of love to your neighbor. Could you not? You don't even have to travel for that. He will heal our land. Yes, we have to go out and vote. Yes, we have to, you know, make sure the right people are in there. And sometimes the wrong people are in there. You think God just said, oh boy, the wrong person is in there. There goes the nation. God's not surprised. Do you think God's surprised? No. He's talking to us, the church, the Bethel, the house of God. He's saying, you guys, repent. Repent. 
He's not talking to the world. He's talking to us. Humble yourself, repent, and, I will, and pray, and then I will heal your land. He will heal our land. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Lord, we humble ourselves today in your presence that it would not be about us but about you. That it would always be about somebody else's good and my expense. Teach us to humble ourselves. Lord, we repent this morning for allowing things, Lord, and tolerating sin in our midst. For whoever tolerates in this generation and the next generation, they abuse. Help us, Lord, to be a good example to this generation. Help us to learn and repent and know that you're not condemning us, but restoring us to a proper relationship to the righteousness, to righteousness, Lord. Help us to yoke ourselves to Jesus, the one who reigns in our life. Pray for our nation today on July 4th as we celebrate the independence of our nation. We celebrate our dependence upon you and our independence from our sin. Heal our land, Lord. We need you, Lord. Heal our land is our prayer as we repent and we humble ourselves that you would heal our land. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.